You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the top-of-market tight end contracts handed out yesterday and how that impacts the Packers, not from a financial standpoint but from a philosophical standpoint because I think there is more related there than catches the eye at first blush. And then I also want to talk about this ridiculous thing that happened in Seattle and a move that we didn't get time to talk about yesterday that could have major implications in the NFC playoff race that started in Dallas. But let's start here. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey each got major, major money deals as extensions on Thursday. George Kittle got a five-year, $75 million contract. Travis Kelsey got just under that as part of an extension as well. And what this points out is twofold. It starts with these two guys are unique. They are sui generis when it comes to their impact on the field. By Sports Info and Solutions Total Point Metric, a tight end has been the number one pass catcher in terms of value each of the last two seasons. It was Travis Kelsey two years ago, and it was George Kittle in 2019. They are unique. And tight ends are valuable, but only at this top end, upper echelon the point. And, and tight ends in general, I think, are very, very useful. And Green Bay, in their offense... They're looking at it like, okay, it doesn't matter if Jay Sternberger or Josiah DeGuara are Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, but that if you can get some quality players on the field, then you have a potential to really impact your team. Good tight ends are extremely useful and I think have been undervalued, including by me over the course of the last few years. The more that I've looked at the data, the more that I think the tight end position is an undervalued position in the league. And that's not to say that you should spend high draft capital on it, that you should use first and second round picks. In fact, I think the opposite is true, but it's like how Ron Wolf viewed quarterbacks. Basically take one every year because the upside, if you hit is you get Travis Kelsey, you get George Kittle. Those guys were not first and second round picks. And the reason this is particularly timely is because Matt LaFleur again waxed poetic about Josiah DeGuara in his Thursday interview with the media. He said whether he's in the backfield on the line of scrimmage or in positions where he's a wide receiver, we just really like the versatility he brings. That is Lafleur on Josiah DeGuara. This idea that they drafted a fullback is just 
ridiculous. He's not a fullback. And if you want to go back and look at the role he's likely to play, you can watch Jay Sternberger at the end of last season. When Danny Vitale went down, he got a text from a coach that said, look, get ready to be the H-back. And that is important because what it signals is in the offense, this is already built in, that there is this position for someone who is going to be a little bit in the backfield when they want to go heavy and they want to do some power running and you need a lead blocker. You, you have someone who can do it. But also you have someone who can come in motion and run play action, get, get into little you know play action league plays, the, the, the famous spider two Y banana, if you want to run that. The John Gruden classic, you can do that. You want to split him out and have him play in the slot. You want to have him play wide. You want to have him play in line where he can block or move down the field as a route runner. Well, Jay Sternberger has already proven he can do all those things, or at least he's already proven that Green Bay will play him at all those positions. He's already done it. They drafted Josiah DeGuara to be that guy. It sounds like and Jay Sternberger came on Locked On Packers and said that the idea is he's going to play more in the slot. He's going to be more like Jimmy Graham was last season. And Josiah DeGuara is going to pick up the slack pretty much everywhere else. Now, long term, he can be much more than Danny Vitale was. And he can be more than Mercedes Lewis is. When you look at where they want to play him, that versatility is essential to his appeal on the Packers, and when you when you look at George Kittle, the value he brings is independent of how good Debo Samuel is. It's independent of how good Kyle Juszczyk is, though the three of those guys together really amplify the, the value of one another because of the way in which this offense allows them to play off each other. And I think the goal for Green Bay is... You know, you have your George Kittle guy. He's not going to be George Kittle. I mean, I don't think we should expect Jay Sternberger to be the best tight end in the league. And we shouldn't expect Josiah DeGuara to be Kyle Juszczyk, the best fullback in the league, the best H-back in the league, whatever you want to say, the best big player piece non-tight end in the league. The 49ers are pretty lucky that they have the best tight end and the best non-tight end big person in football in terms of the... Skill positions. They're lucky to have that. Green Bay is trying to build, not an approximation of that, but th- those are some similar roles that they're looking to play. You look at what the Rams have. They have two tight ends they feel really good about, Tyler Higbee and, and Gerald Everett. When Sean McVay went to some more two tight end looks, all of a sudden, it turns out you have a breakout star. This offense can be a very tight end friendly offense. And even though Travis Kelsey doesn't play in a Shanahan scheme, he plays in a West Coast offense, which is the same basic bones, and he plays more in the slot and more split out. He plays more like a hybrid big slot receiver type player. Well, that's closer to what they want from Jay Sternberger. They want him to be a matchup nightmare. And just because they both wear 87 doesn't mean they're both going to be the same kinds of players. But... Jace is a matchup problem and he has more speed than, you know, his, his timed four, seven, 40. He insists it's more like he runs four five. Now that's according to him. So when you look at this offense, 
you're seeing the blueprint of what they want to be. They don't they don't necessarily feel like, okay, well, it's going to be Travis Kelsey and it's got to be George Kittle and, and that's what you need from the tight end position. No, that's just an unrealistic expectation for any team to have and it's unrealistic for any fan to have and it's just, frankly, unfair to put that kind of expectation on young players. But what you want are guys who can create matchup opportunities for you. And that's what Kyle Juszczyk can do for the 49ers. You don't have to be George Kittle. You can be 65% as good as George Kittle, 70% as good as George Kittle, and still be a very useful, helpful player in this offense, productive player. And I think that's the that's what I keep going back to when I look at the, the additions over the last two years at the tight end position. Aaron Rodgers wanted to feed Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham did not maximize those opportunities. I mean, how many times did Green Bay throw to Graham in the flat and he had an opportunity to make a man miss and he got cut down and that was it. And he never seemed to run through a tackle, never seemed to run away from a tackle. It, it was just, it was, it was ugly at times, frankly. It was just like, okay, yeah, this, this is a guy who is someone who used to be really good and wants to do those same things, but just physically is not able to. Well, DeGuara and Sternberger are young. They're more athletic than Graham is at this point in his career. Of course, Jimmy Graham in his prime is one of the great tight end athletes ever. So let's just put some respect on his name in that perspective. That's not the guy who played for Green Bay the last two years, though. And so this is similar in some ways to Geronimo Allison in that I think you have some addition by subtraction here. And you don't need Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara to be George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. You don't you don't need them to be, you know, peak Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski, Patriots, two tight end sets. You don't need them to be that. If you go back to, you know, what the Titans were two years ago, Delaney Walker and Johnu Smith, or last year. But I'm I'm thinking more with Matt LaFleur. That's closer to what you can really start, you know, zeroing in on. And and Delaney Walker is someone who can play all over the formation. And, and and Walker is one of the truly underrated players in the league. I mean, I think even that might be having too high of expectations. But these two guys are clearly here to be the foundation of this offense at the position moving forward. And and they can be foundational to this offense, even if they're not all pro, pro bowl style players. They don't have to be that good to make this offense work the way that they want it to. They just need to be threats. And I, I actually do think Jay Sternberger can be a really good tight end in the league. I mean, I think he can be a top five kind of tight end. That's the, that's the kind of ability that I think he has, the kind of physical ability that I think he has. You know, the jury's still out on DeGuara. I want to see how they're going to use him. I mean, that's that's critical here. Can he be Kyle Juszczyk in this offense? That is certainly possible, uh, but we have to see if he has the, the the ability there. We have to see if he can block. We have to see if he can make play. And we know he can. He has shown on tape, at least in college, the ability to battle as a blocker. He's not a great blocker yet. And we've seen the ability to make some plays in the passing game. Whether or not he can be an impact player, whether or not he can live up to that third round billing, that is certainly a question that we need to have answered. And it's something that he, he can't answer until we're all on the field 
And well, I won't be on the field, but until he's on the field and they're playing games against NFL players. And, and even this year, it's probably not something that can be reasonably expected of him. We're talking about year two. We're talking about year three. And, and so that's where I think they're looking to go with this offense. And before we get to the next part of our show, Built Bar is back, baby. Built Bar is back and even more delicious than ever. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, cherry barcia. You see what they did there? Cherry bars like cherry Garcia. Okay, you got it. And that's along with the 12 original flavors, all of them outstanding. So good. These are the kind of thing that are, we have a group chat with all the NFL hosts. They were so psyched when we found out Built Bar was coming back. We were so psyched to find out that we were going to get some more product because these things are legitimately delicious. This is not something that I just sit behind this microphone and say, Hey, yeah, they're paying me. I got to say the thing. No, I'm telling you, these things are delicious. And it's not just that they're delicious. They're good for you. Low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great if you're on the keto diet. I probably need to do that right now, but I'm dad botting real hard. So this is making me feel better that I get to have a built bar instead of a candy bar right now. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order. Promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The Seahawks cut a player on their roster yesterday because he was caught, caught attempting to sneak a female into the team hotel. And apparently she was wearing Seahawks gear in an attempt to disguise as a player. Okay, this is, it is a funny story, except this is the kind of thing that can bring down a non-bubble. This is the kind of thing that you cannot have given what's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus The league, the teams, and the players are trusting that everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And if someone is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it can bring down the whole endeavor. We saw this with the Cardinals, who were apparently the players were were pretty reckless with what they were doing. A bunch of them got the virus, and now you've jeopardized the season. You've jeopardized... You know, a week's worth of games, basically. The NFL can't afford that. And so for a rookie to put his career on the line to get laid is, I mean, think about what veterans are doing, guys who have made their money. It's like, yeah, well, if I get it, I get it. I'm single. I don't have kids. I'm not high risk. I'm an NFL player, damn it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it in. All it takes is one. All it takes is one idiot. And it, it it doesn't matter if every Green Bay Packer is doing the things that they're supposed to be doing because once the season starts, they're going to spend 60 minutes of on-field time and probably even longer in real time across the lines from someone else. And 
it needs to be every one of those players also doing the right thing. And the more people you get involved here, the more you have a chance that there's an idiot. An idiot. That's just the statistics. That's just the numbers. That's just how math works. The more people you put in a room, the higher likelihood one of them is a selfish moron. I mean, that's just it is what it is, okay? And the NFL is not unique in that way. The more NFL players you put in a room together, the more likely one of them is going to do something stupid that he shouldn't do, and it's going to jeopardize not just his season, but his team's season. And if it happens close to a, a, a Sunday, then all of a sudden you could be putting another team at risk, and then you put the whole season at risk. This is all going to be hanging tenuously, perilously by a thread. And it requires every player at every stop to be doing everything that he can do to make sure he's staying safe. And is this a big deal in a vacuum? No. Is it a funny story? Absolutely. It's hilarious. I mean, think if this were on Hard Knocks. Think this was caught on camera, by the way. Trying to sneak someone up to your hotel room. A rookie. I mean, you're 22, 23. I, I would think that this is something that you can just manage. But 22 and 23-year-olds make bad decisions. And there are a lot of 22, 23-year-olds in the NFL trying to make a living and thinking that they can get away with stupid stuff. Because in college, by the way, they got away with stupid stuff. They broke the rules all the time. They broke curfew. They drank. They smoked. They did all these things that they were technically not supposed to do. And no one cared because on college campuses, no one cares. The stakes are different in the NFL. And just like you, when you started your first job and you had to adjust to, oh, hey, this is what it means to be professional. This is actually very different than college where the stakes are pretty low. NFL players have to make that same adjustment. They have to figure that same stuff out. I mean, Alan Lazard was on this show talking about how, you know, one of the biggest adjustments he had to make to NFL life was just being a professional person. I got to pay rent. I got to pay my cell phone bill. I got to pay my car bill. I got to take care of my people. You know, I still want to have money left over that I can get my mom a car. I mean, that's real stuff. And if you were in those positions, you'd want to deal with that stuff too. And, and when you were 22, 23, you didn't have a clue either. I didn't. I mean, in some ways, I still don't I'm trying to figure this all out. And if you gave me a couple hundred thousand dollars, it would probably exacerbate a lot of the problems that a lot of people already have. This is why the policies need to be rigorous. They need to be strict. And in the case of the Seahawks, they showed no tolerance. I mean, zero tolerance. You messed up your cut. Now, if this were a Lou Williams-type player, I mean, if this were, I'm not even sure who the, the comparable player is on the Seahawks. If this were K.J. Wright, would he have been cut? No, probably not. But he's a rookie, and they needed to make an example of him. Hopefully, it's an example that works. Hopefully, it's a message that the players get, that they are relying on one another to do the responsible thing and to, to be the best teammates to be the best you know, union member togethers that they can possibly be. 
because you have to keep each other safe. And if you don't, you put this whole experiment at risk. The daily testing is great. It's going to help catch these things early to prevent outbreaks, but it is not a perfect system. Outside of a bubble, it is just not a perfect system. You are requiring these players to live and work on their honor. And if you have one person, screw that up and get away with it. If this person had gotten away with it and and the the girl that he was sneaking in had COVID, you put this whole experiment at risk and that's a major problem for the league. So you have to make sure that the players are doing, you have to self-police, you have to, you have to peer pressure. Everyone needs to be doing what they need to do to keep each other safe or this whole thing can come crumbling down. And of course, no one wants that. All right, I just want to finish with a quick discussion because the Dallas Cowboys signed Everson Griffin to a one-year $6 million deal, which means that Griffin is not coming to Green Bay. Uh, that always felt like a leverage play. But he's not going to Minnesota either. And the fact that he's going to Dallas, an NFC playoff contender, and not going back to Minnesota, because there was some speculation that that was still very much in the cards. It sounded like he had narrowed his his teams down. We had heard that Minnesota and Green Bay were on that list. We hadn't necessarily heard Dallas. But, but he had been connected to the Cowboys previously in the offseason. Uh, the Cowboys defensive coordinator previously coached Everson Griffin, so it's not like there aren't connections to be made there, not dots to connect. This hurts the Vikings because in that front, really the only quality player on that squad right now is Daniel Hunter. And so when you don't have the same level of interior, I mean, you lose Linval Joseph, okay, he gone. You lose Everson Griffin. They don't have guys to replace those players. I mean, Shamar Stefan is there, Jalil Johnson. They got some good snaps in short bursts out of Hercules Mata'afa, who's got one of the best names ever in the NFL. And it's, I guess, Efedio Denigbo is going to play that defensive end spot. I don't, it just, that, that Vikings team has a lot of questions. For a team that has the same odds to win the division in a lot of places as the Packers, in some places even better odds. I mean, who's playing cornerback there? Who's playing defensive line? Who's rushing the passer if it's not Daniel Hunter? If Daniel Hunter gets hurt, you know, and you never you never want players to be hurt, but if he gets hurt and misses a month, I mean, they can't rush the passer at all. And and now you're in real trouble because they're going to have to beat teams that can throw the ball. So, okay, they can't rush the passer, and they're relying on these rookies to cover people. So what exactly do they have to stop opposing passers? I mean, Eric Kendricks is a really good coverage linebacker, and Harrison Smith is an unbelievable safety. They They can't do it all. They can't be everywhere. This is a move that hurts the Vikings, and that's good for Green Bay. Now, on the flip side, Everson Griffin makes the Cowboys better, and they added a ton of pieces this offseason. Now, are they all hugely impactful? Mm, I don't know, but they've revamped this defensive line. 
mean, Demarcus Lawrence was always a really good player. Okay, they they add Gerald McCoy, they add Dontari Poe, they draft Neville Gallimore, they add Alden Smith, and now they add Everson Griffin. And that front looks much better than it did last year. Now, I still have questions about the secondary. You know, Byron Jones is gone, so Anthony Brown is going to have to take a bigger role. I think Chidabe Awuzie is a really good potential player, but is not there yet. And who knows beyond that? They signed Ha Clinton Dix, but it's a short-term deal, so he could be gone. Xavier Woods. Who knows what he is really. I mean, the, the safety group is not great. The cornerback group has a lot of questions. And the the interior defensive front is old. And Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe are older guys. So they, they've revamped this team. And they've got a lot of really good players. I mean, this, this, this group is very, very talented. The Cowboys were better last year by DVOA than the Eagles. They just didn't win as many games. I mean, Dallas was the sixth best team by DVOA last year. Philly was 11th. And, you know, Dallas was the second best offense by DVOA last year. So they're they're still going to be really good. And now if you're making their defense better, they are the team in the NFC East to me. I know the Philly has been getting a lot of buzz. You know, they added Darius Slay. They bring in Javon Hargrave. But I have too many questions about the offensive line, too many questions about the skill positions. And still too many questions about that defense. Dallas is just more talented. Give me the more talented team. I think Mike McCarthy adds something important to them. Brings some gravitas, some confidence. I don't think he's going to make the stupid mistakes that Jason Garrett made. And Dak Prescott is really good. I think Dak Prescott is better than than Carson Wentz. So give me the better quarterback. And Dallas just really objectively has the better roster. So I'll, I'll be taking Dallas to win that division potentially comfortably I'm, I'm not sure the Eagles are a playoff team we'll see how everything shakes out I mean if the NFC North is going to get two teams the NFC West is going to get two teams and the NFC South is going to get two teams the NFC East can't get two teams so and, and that already might be too many teams with seven I don't know I, I think I did the math right I think you have three wild cards and four division winners that's seven assuming we get to that uh, and, and that's the, the version of the playoffs we're going to get I think that's how it's going to shake out, and I think there's a very good chance that Philly misses out. And and it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. Some some real question marks as to how they move forward. All right, we'll be back next week. The Packers will have practiced on the field uh, and, and maybe in pads. No, I think Matt LaFleur said practice three or four, which means next week. So we'll have a lot more to get to as the Packers start to practice football on the field. Real stuff is happening. We're moving toward a 2020 NFL season, and hopefully – the players can help us get there by being responsible and uh, doing the, the safe things, the smart things to keep everyone else safe. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay. Locked on Packers.